I've been to museums before. I went to um, the Experience Music Project in, in Seattle to see the Dylan thing. Oh. <laughs> That's a different kind of museum. Have you ever been to a museum that was not related to a pop culture exhibit? All right. I've never been to an actual real museum. Oh, yeah. oh except, <laughs> except, except <clears throat> the motherfucking Smithsonian Institution. Oh, because you thought it was the Smiths. <laughs> Mm. He thought it was going to be a tribute to Morrissey. You're walking yeah. around the Smithsonian. You asked, I heard Jim ask, where's the Morrissey exhibit? Or can I, do you have like Johnny Marr's guitars? What's yeah. that? What's the one in Paris? The Louvre. Exactly. You need to go there. You Start could do it like Cassia did. Cassia went to the Louvre, and do you know what she did? The extent of what she saw? The Mona Lisa? Lisa? No, she didn't see the Mona Lisa. You can't. She went, not she went to the Louvre and she saw the woman's room. Wait, no, no. <laughs> it's the Mona can't. Lisa like on the outside of the Louvre. Hello, Mona Lisa here. Mona Lisa here. She Mona went to the Louvre and that's what she did. She used the restroom. She thought she, it was the Louvre. When you go up the stairs at the Louvre, I think the Mona Lisa is like the first thing you see. You can't walk in and not see it. Wait, 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 wait. The Mona Lisa is not in the back like the milk. <laughs> in in a in a grocery store, you you you'd have the Louvre Museum, and you're not going to put the fucking Mona Lisa in the back to make everybody see all the crap they don't want to see. Anyway, my point was, you could you could technically meet the qualification of going to a museum by going to Paris and using the restroom at the Louvre, because Cassia says I've been to the Louvre, but she's no, only been no, to the the restroom. No, there's a difference between going to the Louvre and going to the Louvre. I've already made that joke, Tim. <laughs> it's 7 o'clock Pacific Daylight Time on Tuesday, July 26, 2011, and tonight on Media Loper Bebop. Spot it's 7.15. 7.15. Just thought I'd point that out, too. Thanks, Kurt. You know, I'm, this is, I'm doing this for the art's sake. Okay. The in, in in terms of our 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 art, we started at seven o'clock. Did you not read the science news today? They're saying once again that maybe time travel is not possible. Once again, it's not possible. Yeah. Was it was it possible before? Well, in theory, but now they're saying photons can't go faster than the speed of light. So it only matters if if it's about, possible at some future point. What about space? Or exactly. If, if it were possible in the future, why haven't they come back? Because they're smarter than that. <laughs> Look around. Yeah. Would you come back to now? <laughs> Why did they let us elect George W. Bush? Spotify finally comes to America, but is it worth the wait? Then, controversy on your iPad as major media companies do battle with Apple. Finally, Amy Winehouse joins that stupid club, and everybody who was making fun of her last week suddenly feels sorry. All that? Not me. <laughs> all that, and Kirk shares some of the music in his mix. On Media Loper Bebop episode 12... Out, damn Spotify. Hello again, sports fans. I'm your host, Jim Connolly, and with me as usual are Tim Gaskell. Jim, what is that reference to out, damn Spotify? It's Shakespeare. What Shakespeare? Macbeth. Yeah, okay. Just trying you to ever been it. to a Shakespeare play, Jim? Um, as a matter of fact, I have. But you've never been to a museum. That sixth grade production of Macbeth does not count. <laughs> Sorry. We're just going to start over. We are just. Yeah. Do you want me to stop the podcast and leave you guys on the side of the road? Is that what you want? 
I want you to kick me out and make me walk home, Jim. That's what I'm trying. That's what I'm going for. You're already home. Are you going to pull this podcast over to the side of the road? I'm going. One more outburst, and I'm pulling this fucking podcast over to the side of the road. Don't you? But you you can't really because there's no hard shoulder. Yeah, you'd get a ticket. And Kurt and your insurance rates would go up. And Kurt Biglione. Brilliant. He's here. I'll, what about I'll him? What I'll about him? <laughs> I will vouch for him. He's in the room. So is this the podcast where we're all smoking pot and I didn't get the memo? <laughs> you said podcasts. <laughs> After a long wait, the much-anticipated cloud music service noted as Spotify, known as Spotify has made it to these shores, and despite some serious holes in its library, it's almost instantly and widely embraced as the best cloud music service yet. Guys, why do you think so many people have embraced Spotify so quickly? Hype. It's a slow summer, you know? There's, there's, look at Google+. Plus. Anything that comes out shiny, new, off-season, slow, we've got more time to look at it. But also because, um, is there a comparable service of free available on-demand music? It is really something new in the market, for the U.S. at least. Right. Personally, I've never been interested in the other uh, the other ones on offer. So much. In, in in terms of having the free ad supported, uh, the, and the difference is Pandora gets to know you or gets to know music, and uh, you know you define a starting point, and then it matches songs to that right. attribute. Right. There's this right, and and it's you know it's not like a computer algorithm they've got musicologists working classifying the music adding, genome project yeah they've got all this stuff going on so there's something behind, it's better than random it's better yeah, than no actually the it's very good mix. yeah it's fine and i use it occasionally but that's 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 one thing but spotify is like really the thing the labels have been kind of resisting is is full catalogs on demand pick your artist pick your album pick your song and listen to it as many times as you want, and doing that in um, in a in a free format. You know, all comers. Uh, it might still be in beta, but the intention is that the free version is going to be there will be ads, um, but you know, there's there's no cost and it's still on demand, and the audio quality isn't quite as good. But it's like the next you know, forget radio. If you're sitting around connected to the internet and you want to listen to music, you would go to Spotify before you turn on the radio. So for, for people like us who have ginormous music collections, does do, do, do any is any cloud service going to be as good as having access to our music from the cloud? Well, you'd be surprised. I mean, given the fact that we do have tons of music, there is uh, there are still big gaps. And I tried let's see i came home the other night and i tried spotify and i signed up actually for the premium service just to avoid the ads and to get good quality and i figured i could try it for a month or two and then get rid of it because you know you i probably spend 10 bucks a month on itunes so right. i figured why not go for 10 just 10 bucks on spotify and i don't have to get anything on itunes because i can listen to it and it's nice and easy and that's that's a pretty darn good deal it's basically the netflix of music in some ways but um, so I tried it. And I typed in like Frank Sinatra or something, and dozens of albums came up. Most of which I didn't. Ha a lot of stuff I didn't have. So, you know, I just wanted to test it out. 
test out a couple of obscure bands, one hit wonders, stuff like that, and they had it. And <clears throat> you know, I was I was pretty impressed, I have to say, and I will continue with it until I find it uh, of no use. But, but I like the idea of it being you can use it across multiple devices, and um, you know the quality's good, the selection's great, and it's pretty easy to use. But I don't think it's an iTunes killer per se, as some people have. Uh, projected, um, there are still things that iTunes does that Spotify doesn't do, like video and bonus content and stuff like that. You know, you'll never get those kind of bonus iTunes albums that they do, right? That are exclusive on iTunes. You'll never get it. <clears throat> whereas, whereas the so, iTunes Cloud or the iCloud or even your Google Music or Amazon or anything that you you choose to put up there, your all that stuff's going to be there. Right. Yeah. And, and, what, and the other problem, of course, is that there's just gigantic names, or there's huge holes in what you'd think is a basic catalog. Oh, yeah, there are all kinds of things. I mean, when you get it, if you're a music geek going through the Spotify catalog, you're going to find all kinds of stuff missing in head-scratching ways. Like I'm looking through the Coltrane albums from on Prestige in the mid to late 50s and you know training in and um, and uh, and those albums and um, and the the title track from each album is missing they've got the other three or four but the title track is missing that's it's weird. like s someone made the decision that we'll put all these old Coltrane albums on Spotify but we'll pull the title track off because the people who really want the music want to buy the album to get the title track and the full album. Oh, it isn't just and it isn't just like older stuff. I mean, the Arcade Fire, not on Spotify. Hmm. Which just That's... and so you, you expect the Beatles and Pink Floyd because they're longtime resistors to digital music, but you don't expect you know the new Cars album, all the old ones or some of the old ones, like, but not all the old ones. Aerosmith's seventy or Aerosmith's. Some of Aerosmith's catalog is missing. I mean, it's just, mm. it's... So, so, so keep in mind the big picture is that Europe has been ahead of us for a reason because of licensing issues. Right. It's what it comes down to is they need to make deals with the labels to prevent, to prevent, to present music. It's been preventing music up to this <laughs> point, but now we're on to, we've, we've, we're over the preventing music phase. We're on to the presenting music phase. And there are still some kinks to be ironed out, and the labels aren't all in. They're only like 82% in, because mm. you saw how the whole iTunes thing worked out. Yeah, that didn't, uh, they didn't launch with everything either. So, you know, this right. is, for, for a launch, it's probably pretty good. So Yeah. It's, I don't think it's going to replace my music collection. I don't really look at it that way. But then I saw Jim's uh, thing on the Facebook, <laughs> and... Um, it appeared to me, Jim, that you were trying to maintain the infallibility of your music collection. And maybe you have an infallible music collection, but I know I don't. And I think that as a, as still as a, it still has value as a tool for discovery. Yes. And I also see it as an auxiliary service for something like eMusic, where I can um, use Spotify to preview music to decide how I'm going to spend the money I've set aside to actually purchase music from eMusic. Jim, the th you don't really seem to be warming. You seem skeptical about Spotify. I, I am skeptical. So the thing I think is a, a, a use case for you, Jim, that I'm surprised you haven't 
embraced is the whole playlist thing. Right. Where the, the Jim Conley playlist instead of the Jim Conley mixtape. I mean, how come we're not seeing Jim Conley publishing playlists of the, um, well, any of the articles you've written for Medialoper? Well, okay, so that's, and that's a fair, that, that's absolutely a fair point, basically, because I haven't thought of it, but let's pretend like I had thought of it. A lot of things, like, say, the, 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 um, the top indie rock or indie, indie songs, a lot of those things aren't on Spotify right now. There's no way that someone can download uh, The Shiny Unfeeling by the Miss Allens from Spotify, even though it's way up on, uh, you know, any, any list that I'm going to, any, anything I'm right. going to make. What about if you went back and did like um, the Dead Air Diary best of lists. Mm, again, there might be some gaps, right? Well, I could do, I mean, I also have the list of like my favorite albums from every year. I have the my favorite albums of the 70s. So you're right. I mean, that's definitely, but on the other hand, so I take all the time to curate those and who listens to it? Like, are, are, are... <laughs> That's not the point. This is Jim Connolly with a musical moment to die for. I listen to Rod Stewart's Every Picture Tells a Story from the 1971 album of the same name nearly every single day when I was a junior in high school because it was such a ragged, relatable, coming-of-age tale. Near the end, the song powers down and Rod fucks up by starting to come in just a little bit too early. This mistake is just a blip, of course, but I love it not just because they left it in, but because it's also indicative of Rod's desperate need to tell us what he's learned right this second. Because he spent so much of his subsequent career being wrong, you almost forget how amazingly right he once was. But man, he really, really was. That was Rod Stewart with Every Picture Tells a Story, a song that contains a musical moment to die for. You're on your iPhone or your iPad and you're browsing an online bookstore and you want to instantly purchase an ebook. Last year, this would have been no problem. You just do it. But a few months ago, Apple told media companies that they were going to take a 30% cut from all in-app purchases. As you can imagine, the media companies weren't too happy about that, and recently quite a few have been removing the in-app purchasing ability from their iPhone and iPad apps, figuring that giving nearly a third of every sale to Apple plays hell with their margins. Kirk, where do you see all this going? Okay, so first of all, here's what's happening. Apple has always taken 30% of in-app purchases, and they've always taken 30% of app purchases. Okay. I mean, that's the way the marketplace is structured. The, the issue with the media companies has been um, how do you sell subscriptions? Should Apple get the, should a subscription be considered to be an in-app purchase? Right. And what do you do about content that is purchased outside of the app store but sucked into the app uh, as like an end run around the app store, um, that external. And so you look at um, 
magazines or newspapers and and their subscribers are complaining because they have to pay either separately to buy the app or subscribe there was no way the thing they worked out earlier this year was to 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 allow newspapers and magazines to extend the digital subscription to become part of the subscription right so but now the question has been the um the thing that came out earlier this year was that Apple is going to crack down on the in-app purchase, and they wanted, um, originally, they wanted to require that if you sell content outside of the App Store for consumption on an app that runs on one of our devices, on iOS, you have to sell the same content inside of the app through an in-app purchase. Okay, okay. Where we get 30%. So, in the real world, what that means is if you're Amazon and you're selling Kindle ebooks for people to read on the Kindle app on the iPad, then you have to offer that as an in app purchase where Apple gets 30%. There are two reasons why that won't work. One is that the split between the retailer and the publisher is 70-30 with the retailer getting 30, that's Amazon. So if they give 30 to Apple, what's left for Amazon? Why even be in, in business? Right. And the, the, um, the um, other issue is that Apple has a limit on SKUs, product codes, for in-app purchases, and it's like 3,500. <laughs> Oh, so you can only so do 3,500. Amazon would only be able to sell 3,500 ebook titles. I don't see anything wrong with that. I'm sure Amazon's always just been about, you know, as just just been, you know, about targeting small markets, right? So in the real world, Amazon has only had, you know, the Amazon app because Amazon's retail on the web is very strong. Amazon's app just had a link to. Uh, buy Kindle books. And when you click on it, it opens mobile Safari, and you're there at the Kindle page, and then you have to use the browser to buy books on the web, and then those get sent back to your Kindle app. The compromise they worked out to keep from having a situation where Amazon could only sell 3,500 ebooks <laughs> was that, okay, You'd, if you sell it outside of the App Store for consumption in an app, you don't have to make it available through the App Store. We'll give you that much. But you can't link to your website. You can't tell people where to, you can't link to the content to the place where they should be buying the content. You have to remove those from your app. Oh, wow. Okay. So for Amazon, what that meant is they moved the Get Kindle, they took off the Get Kindle Books button. And when they announced, when they released the update this week and announced that you know they were pulling out the link to buy Kindle books, they simultaneously made a big deal out of announcing that they've now got hundreds of new period or hundred or more new periodicals and newspapers that are available on the on the iPad app. You can you'll be able to read magazines, more magazines and newspapers on the Kindle iPad app that weren't available before. Um, there's some suspicion that the publishers are feeling like, you know, now they have to move more towards Amazon because Apple is, you know, clamping down and, 
and trying to dominate the iOS platform as the sole seller of content. Um, so from the consumer standpoint, this seems very confusing again. It is. It is. It's very confusing. It's one of those things where the thing I didn't talk about in the Spotify section is, you know, we're talking about how does it work for us? There's this question of how does it, how does it work for the business? Right. Will they be able to make enough money with the model of Spotify to satisfy the labels, to satisfy the artists, or will they pull the plug at some point because they're not making as much money as they expected? Um, there are all these business decisions that go on under the surface that kind of impact stuff. To, to us, we think that ebooks should be everywhere, and you've got an iPad, and you should be able to buy from anyone, you should be able to use any app you want. It's this open, happy system. But that's not the way it works because of you know, all of the politics that goes on. So what we're hoping that people will come to their senses and that this will be like the beginning of the end of proprietary platforms. But I don't know. People love their apps. I know Tim loves his apps. I, I like my apps. And I, I, I think this is a really poor kind of... Um, I don't think Apple thought it through all the way. I think the 30%... Oh, sorry, the 30... Well, it is 30%. Um, <clears throat> is just... Yeah, it's kind of highway robbery, really. Um, I would have thought of... Well, they own the road. That they do, it's but they're tall. You know, but the thing is, there are other routes, and people are starting to take them. And I think they're right. Um, you know, I think they're right to charge something. Thirty percent is too much. You know, when you look at the iOS platform and how people buy things on it for digital content, I don't. Thirty percent is pretty much the standard. Has always been the standard. When you look at the physical world, uh, it was like closer to a 50-50 split for like print books and 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 print magazines. Thirty percent is reasonable because they bring you not only they make the market, but it's a po it's a popular marketplace. And studies show that you know well, right n right now there's there's no right now to make money in the digital realm on content you have to be on Apple. Right. So maybe 30, I, I don't think 30% is that much of a, 30% has been the standard, 30% was the standard with music, 30% is, is roughly the standard for video. Um, so the, the, the content providers are whining? Well, no, what the problem is when you are adding that tax onto a, a transaction that, that has to go through your process when maybe it should be, when it could be taking place outside of the process. So for example, Amazon having to be, having to offer the book from inside of the app if it's available outside of the app. Right. That's not, that's not, that's not sustainable paying 30% when you're already paying 30% to another party on the sale. You'd lose money on every sale. Right. So, yeah, so just because the 30% uh, was the <clears throat> standard before, we're looking at different resources and different kind of yeah, uh, right. The distribution. So I don't think that model yeah. is up. That's just the mind. Yeah. So the the question is, do these other do these other channels catch on? Right. Because it's, it's really easy to buy an app. And if you wanted, if if I were Apple and I wanted people to come to this, and you know, the, basically the success of the publishers in their realm is their success too. But if you are going to make it, so. You know, you're the gatekeeper with it, where people's going to go to the back gate instead of the front gate. 
then you know you stand to lose. And I just think you know when you're when you're introducing what's essentially a new a new medium here, I I think you lower the gates a bit, you get people in, and then go from there. The pro the, I would agree with you, but I think the problem is that um, Apple isn't having trouble getting people in. Apple has. In, especially in the mobile space and the digital content space, Apple is like, you know, kicking ass. Yes. They, they, they don't need to compromise for... So we'll see. We'll see what happens. When you're, the, when you're like the, the most, the rich, one of the richest countries in the world now, countries, companies... Uh, country. Uh, I think they count as, a, as one of the richest countries in the world. Religion, whatever. Um... No, I, I think you can. I think you can afford to change the model a bit, and I just wonder if how things are going to work on the other on the other tablets as they get bigger. So we'll see. The problem is Android sucks. Yeah, but <laughs> if people, but if they undercut them by whatever, and people flock to that, you know, it, who knows? Price isn't going to do it though. Android needs to get a whole lot better before it can even. Well, I would agree. Android needs to have people not saying Android sucks all the time. Well, and here's another thing: is is you know the thing uh, we were talking about last night is how amazing it is that everything we're talking about in media is the digital revolution, and how um, and the alternate topic for this slot was borders. Right. How businesses like Borders are going out of business, and how everything is going from physical to digital. And one huge advantage that Apple has over something like Android and Amazon and Google is, um, is the physical presence, the, the Apple stores. Mm -hmm. It's hugely important in getting that technology in people's hands. We were at the Apple store this weekend in Pasadena. And, you know, Everywhere else in Old Town was slow, midsummer, everyone's on vacation. You go into the Apple store and you can't walk. It's like wall to wall people. It's like being at a at a at a church. A, a punk show <laughs> in uh, nineteen uh, yeah, it's kinda like being at a church. A religion um, Apple is a religious state. Yes. It's you a country and a religion, it's a religious state. They tried to make me go to rehab, I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. Amy Winehouse died last week, presumably, but not officially, from an overdose. In the nearly half decade since her Grammy-winning Back to Black album, Winehouse had become a punchline, going in and out of rehab so often it twisted the irony of her amazing song rehab into a Mobius strip of endless jokes, references, and yes, even some worry. On some level, of course, her death was tragic. She was only 27 and she obviously had gobs of talent. On another level, it had become inevitable. And in the end, the over-under on whether she was going to die or release new music first was so obviously tilted towards death that even Warren Zevon's death was more of a surprise. And, of course, her death leads us straight back to addiction. How do we deal with our talented public addicts who self-destruct before our very eyes? Tim, I'm guessing you have the solution to this. This is a tricky one because part of the whole, part of the problem with people today, especially like Amy Winehouse, is she got caught up um, in, there's, there's a 24-7 there's a now cycle, news cycle, and especially in the UK, 
you know, which we know from the phone hacking scandal, the intensity of what journalists and stuff will go, you know, the, the level of the, the degree of what they will go through to get a story, to get a picture, whatever, to get a, to get a quote, they'll do anything, basically. Right. And her, you know, she lived quite publicly. She lived in Camden. I know people that lived, like, down the street from her, and they said the paparazzi were always camped out in front of her house. They would do stupid things like they'd start fires in her front yard just to get her to come out of the house. They would do anything. You know, she was kind of goaded. So obviously, you know, she didn't start off being an addict and everything. But when you start off, you, you know, she's obviously a sensitive artistic type. And she didn't have the defenses. You know, she came from a you know, Jewish family in North London and kind of a normal upbringing and everything. And then all of a sudden you're thrust into the spotlight. You've got some weaknesses. You've got some vulnerabilities. And you meet people along the way that exploit those, which basically her first husband, this Blake Fielder civil guy who's kind of a douchebag, obviously, but, um, you know, who introduced her to a lot of these drugs. But also, you know, there was a complicit... I was going to say... There was a complicit part on her part. You know, she, she willingly got into this. It's no, There's no, you know, you can't blame one person on this. But um, so, you know... So basically, you've got a, a lethal combination of talent, kind of sensitivity, and kind of not the strength, the inner strength to to say no so, to temptations. So this poor, victimized Amy, what's her last name? Winehouse. Winehouse. That's her real name, or that's like a stage name? No, it's real. Poor, victimized Amy Winehouse. How many times was she in rehab? She didn't go to rehab. No, um, she did a few times. See, there's the joke right there. Um, no, the thing is, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is they basically it's just the how much money did she have to go to rehab? Yeah, but you're starting to sound like Bill O'Reilly now or something. Um, no, 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 no. Let him finish. Okay, go ahead. Whatever happened to self responsibility? I mean, and okay, so. On one hand, the topic is, what do we do with sensitive, talented people? What do we do with people who are, you know, willing victims? Well, I don't know if she was a willing who, who maybe happened to have, you know, some, some talent. We, we like their music. Um, I don't know. Well, so, so here's a couple I, of I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the situation as you paint it because, you know, it's, I mean, there are... There are women who are in really bad situations and don't have the opportunities someone like Amy Winehouse had to save herself. Yeah, but they don't have paparazzi. And there's artists. Well, okay, yeah. so let's let's go back. Oh, to so wait, wait, so wait. it's the paparazzi or the reason Amy Winehouse is dead. No, no, no. I say what I have, no. You know, what I what I said was it's a combination of all kinds of things. You know, she's a, a very kind of sensitive, kind of cloistered artistic type who who didn't have exposure to all this. All of a sudden, she's in the limelight. She doesn't have the the, the strength, the wherewithal to, you know, to, to not be able to resist the temptation. But loads not, of then, then, then how do you explain Morrissey? Uh-oh. Morrissey's a, he had stronger character. Why didn't Morrissey die at 27? Because he's not really a taker of drugs. Yeah. That is the problem, is the drug dealers of London should have been selling to Morrissey instead of Amy Winehouse. Or Manchester, actually. And well, you know, Tim, there were no drug dealers in Manchester in the late '80s, so that would have been right out. Of course, I forgot. I'd like to point uh, out something here that 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 something that that kind of has bugged me, not just with Amy Winehouse, but a lot of, of of pop stars and music stars who go through these public meltdowns, 
and 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 the paparazzi's blamed and yes the 24/7 news cycle is terrible but a lot of artists previously have been the biggest thing in the world and been able to continue with their art uh yeah. The Exile on Main Street was made while the Rolling Stones were the biggest band in the goddamn world, and they were yeah, getting but, huge but they amounts were sequestered, of attention. They were sequestered in France. They, they sequestered themselves in France. I mean, there's a lot of people who are as big as, who are huge, huge stars who've managed, who still manage to de to sequester themselves. They get the fuck out of the spotlight and and just calm down and just do their thing. Yeah, pe some people make bad decisions, and but some people get into what I'm saying is pe some people get into this position, not knowing that they there's no way they could handle it. You know, you 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 go down a path. You're working towards, you know, your art, your profession, fame if it comes, success if it comes. You don't know until you get there, and then it's too late. You don't know that you can't handle it. So presumably, there's a point. When you have this much access to to help, that you get the help, where you get the clear head. I don't know what you do. I mean, I, I assume somebody like Scott Walker, you know, famous '60s icon. Um, you know, I assume he might have been somebody who said no. You know, who could have been a huge superstar, but then kind of withdrew. You know, he he immigrated to London or whatever, and made these kind of um, kind of out there, kind of out there pop albums or whatever, never and never became a big, huge success. Maybe he was somebody who recognized in himself that he couldn't handle that and didn't want that. So yes, there are there are lots of examples of people who handle it in different ways that go down different paths. Unfortunately, you know, we just have, you know, the trail is littered with a you know dozens of people who just can't handle the success, and. You, you know, I I'm no am I sympathetic to them? Yes and no because yeah, I think you know I, I you have to look at it from your own perspective. You think, wow, if I were in that position, I would just be able to say no and not do that and just concentrate on my work or whatever. I wouldn't succumb to all that. But I'm not them. I don't know. I can't put myself in their position. Jimi Hendrix didn't seem all that depressed. He just had, he he was just unlucky, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, that's it exactly. I mean, but but on the other hand, Kurt Cobain was completely depressed, and and once again, not a surprise. By the time we found out he was dead, no one was really surprised. Yeah, Morrison, Cobain, Winehouse, yeah, those are not surprises. Uh, Brian Jones was kind of on the border borderline. No, that wasn't a surprise by then either. Yeah, I suppose by then it wasn't a surprise. Um, Janice, you know. Maybe not a surprise, but but a lot of those people, they all had certain things in common, whereas Morrison had a certain swagger and kind of, you know, he didn't have that, he didn't seem to have that vulnerability that the others had. He just had a huge, huge intake of drugs and alcohol that, that killed him, whereas the others were kind of trying to, you know, they were trying to block out the reality in the world by, you know, But I think, I think the, the crazy-making thing is... That, you know, um, Keith Richards, alive, right. Pete Townsend, alive, Keith Moon, dead, John Bonham, dead, and there's really no rhyme or reason. You don't, except for maybe one unlucky thing, you know. How do you, yeah. how do you explain but, Shane McGowan? Exactly. How many, Jim, but how many of those people that you just named have all recounted in the biography or in stories or whatever 
that night where they almost died and they didn't. You know, Pete Townsend has had a, one or two nights where he said he almost he turned blue, he thought he was dead, whatever. You know, he could have he could have been the first the second one to die. Right. The band instead of, you know, John Entwistle. So it, it's a lot of it's luck of the draw. You know, there's what's his name? Nikki Six from Motley Crue or whatever. Who was think, dead, right? Who I think yeah, I think he totally uh he totally uh flatlined or whatever and came back to life. So, you know, it's some people are just you know, have a stronger constitution, I guess. And people and people who say, Well, how come no one around her helped her? When you know that every single person who cared about her at some point in the last five years slapped her at least metaphorically and mm-hmm. said, you know what, you need to stop fucking doing this. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that so then it should be ruled a suicide. In a weird way, it yeah. Kind of is, you know. They there's obviously a death wish there. Um but you know. And I know that, that addicts are supposed to hit bottom and I get that, but it's Yeah, as Russell Brand said in his piece today, he said, you know, you get one of two phone calls you know, when you know an addict, you either get the phone call where they say, okay, I've hit bottom, I've had enough, I'm coming out of it, or you get the call from somebody else saying, you know, I'm sorry to report, yeah. blah, blah, blah. This podcast is a presentation of Media Leopard Bebop. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or account of this podcast without the express written consent of the commissioner of Media Leopard Bebop is prohibited. Speaking of rehab, the commissioner's been in and out of rehab for like seven or eight times. The what? The commissioner, a meal for bebop, has been out of rehab. In and out of Jim, rehab. that's Jim in a post Amy Winehouse era. That's not something we joke about. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we can't. Sorry, too soon. Oh, too soon. Okay, I apologize. And now it's time for in the mix, our regular feature where we share the music we're listening to. This week it's Kirk's turn. What do you got, Kirk? So uh, when we launched this feature, part of uh, talking about what was in my mix was explaining how I listen to music. And now this whole Spotify thing has kind of thrown my mix listening into uh, disarray over the last couple of weeks. Um, I've asked, So I need to amend how I listen to music. Uh, so in addition to, you know, I've got this housewide sound system that extends to the backyard and coming soon, rock speakers for the patio. For the patio oh, area. nice. <laughs> Why couldn't you have had that before the 4th of July I, re- you know, retreat, they've been, barbecue, they've been, and board meeting? Because they've been coming for three years. That's why. Rock speakers. They're special like, rock speakers. Um, let me guess. They're walking to your house. <laughs> they still need to be... Cor- <laughs> Never mind. Uh, by the way, when you said rock speakers, I thought, ah, rock speakers! <laughs> no, actual speakers that are rocks or look like rocks. I like my interpretation uh. better. Rock speakers! <laughs> so it's iTunes to the housewide, set, wired, not Sonos, wired sound system um, over... 100 uh, uh, gigabit Ethernet via Airport Express or Apple TV. Uh, to the mix, I've added Spotify, the Spotify app, and I'm making it all work because the Spotify app cannot send to the AirShare, so I have to use um, Air, a program called Airfoil, which costs $25, but a lot. 
but enables you to send any application's sound output to an Airport Express or an Apple TV. Okay. So this, this is new, as well as there are some new app, remote apps in the mix as well to control all of this stuff. But that's kind of like really impacted how we listen to the music over, over the last couple of weeks. So I haven't been in my true mix that much. Having said that, I have three selections from the true mix, not the Spotify mix. Uh, and the first one, I have to ask Tim a question. Okay. Because you've got kids, mm -hmm. right? I do. And you know how it is when kids just have to hear. I don't know how it is because I don't have kids, but I've heard from people who have kids that, you know, kids want to hear the same song, kids want to hear the same CD. Have you same given song. Over and over and over. Do you have an example of that? I do. I have a very good example. I had uh, Johnny and his friend Tapita in the car this weekend, and we had to listen to Justin Bieber's Never Say Never and repeat <laughs> and, and Crazy, Crazy Frog. If, I don't know if you guys know about Crazy Frog. But, um, I, I, only, I only know Simple and Sober Frog. I don't know anything about Crazy Frog. Crazy Frog is basically the, it's a retool of the uh, theme from Beverly Hills Cop, I think. Um, but it's, um, yeah, so Justin Bieber is my friend. Yes. Okay. So you so, have Bieber in your mix, Kirk? No, no. Sometimes, okay, so this is how it is. Sometimes it's not kids, it's your wife. <laughs> and you have to hear the same thing over and over and over. Can we listen to, can we listen to Osaka Ramones by Shona Knife? Ramones mm. cover album? Yes. Shona Knife's tribute to the Ramones, Osaka Ramones. I actually, I like it. You know, Shona Knife? Yeah. Have, have, yeah. have, have excellent posture. Also in my mix, <laughs> Shayun Kuti and Africa 80. Um, this is his second album. A youngest son of Fela um, somehow got possession of the band. His oldest son, Femi, is off on his own, also has an album out recently. Um, I prefer the Shayun album. He got the band, Fela's band. Uh, it's really just an incredible album. Classic Afrobeat. No love songs, only politics. To complete my uh, international mix, Malut to Astatke. This is if you have any of the Ethiopics, or if you're into Ethiopics, you've seen those compilations for, of classic Ethiopian jazz. Yeah. He's like the man of Ethiopian jazz. And uh, this is a recent album from last year. Um, and it's uh, more of a mix of contemporary jazz and, and with, with 
Ethiopian sort of arrangements. Uh, highly recommended. Just one more thing. One more thing. Tim. Well, iTunes is offering a free preview of the San Francisco Giants Showtime series, The Franchise. And I took advantage of their freebie, downloaded it, watched it today. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. Now, the problem I see is that as a fan, it's wonderful. But if if I'm not a fan of the Giants... How good is it? It's hard to be objective. Um, well, first of all, if you're not a fan of the Giants, there's a, that's a problem right there. Well, there's a problem with you. Exactly. Yeah. But that's but I'm not going to go into that right now. Not as, um, almost as bad as being a... No, worse than being a drug addict. Well, they're kind of... Yeah, there's their degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Can that's, I ask a question? <laughs> yes. Who plays Barry Zito? Who plays Barry Zito? Barry Zito is played by himself or a guy that looks... Really? Like him. He looks like him. Um, but the, you know, the, the, one of the critiques I read was about how there's not a lot of, you know, drama and stuff, but actually there is a little bit of drama. And the drama is, is Barry Zito going to make it back into the team? He gets hurt early in the season, has one or two good outings, gets hurt. Can he come back? That kind of thing. Does Vogelsong take his place? You know, that whole, so there's a little bit of drama there and it's quite good. And the, the one thing that's good about this show, and it may not have worked with some other teams is. This, that San Francisco Giants team w- is, is kind of, um, they're not unique, obviously, but they had a lot of really big personalities on that team. And it works well, you know, when you got Aubrey Huff and Pablo Sandoval and, and people like that. And, Brian Wilson. And Brian Wilson, of course, who's like going to, I'm sure, going to be the star of the show. He's not a, in the first episode a lot, but he's there. Um you, you know, you've, you've got some really good entertainment. And I have to say my respect for Bruce Bochy has gone up even more. Um, you know, when I see him, you know, saying after, you know, after a big win, they like to sit back and have a little glass of wine afterwards in the clubhouse. I like that. Um, overall, I give it a thumbs up. I enjoyed it. But again, I'm a fan, so it means a lot to me. You know, the, the, the players are, they're very entertaining, very nice. You know, some of them are a bit more Entertaining than others, Jeremy Affelt is a nice guy and did all the uh, stuff about the Brian Stowe thing and talked to the audience and everything. But he kind of leans more towards the the kind of the religious side and everything, whereas the other guys like Huff and Matt Cain and stuff are more kind of mainstream guys. But they're all interesting. They all have their story. It's kind of cool. So that's my one more thing. Awesome. One more thing, Kirk. Um, Jim. Kirk. Do you buy apps? I haven't in a while, but I have before. What's the most you've ever spent for an app? Uh, Major League Baseball, $9.99. You didn't pay full price? Okay, $14.99 then. Whatever, okay. whatever. Have, you, have you ever done an in-app purchase? I have never done an in-app, an, an in-app purchase. I don't want 30% of my money to go to Apple. Tim, yes. how, how, you, do you buy apps? Of course I do. <laughs> I have an iPad. Much of what's the most you've ever spent on an app? Well, I think it's probably one of the um, one of the iWorks products. You know, like 
pages or something nine, like that. Nine ninety nine or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, maybe four. I feel like I paid fourteen for something. Fifteen. Yeah. Okay. And what's the most you've ever paid for an in-app purchase? Uh, I cannot recall, but I'm sure I have. Do do magazines count? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, four ninety nine. Yeah. So you didn't get the full full year. No, um, no. Some I just wanted to test out one issue, so I wouldn't get the whole year. I'd only get get one. Like I think I bought like the Atlantic or something, one issue, and one issue of a couple other things. I'm pretty sure the most I've ever spent for an app was probably like OmniFocus for forty nine dollars, but I use it on my desktop, and pretty much it's the thing that um, runs my life and my right. business. Right. And it, it's nice to have it to sync between the iPad and I don't have an iPhone, but there's an iPhone version in my desktop. But last night I spent the most I've ever spent on an in-app purchase. How and much? When, and when we talk about Apple's power on these kinds of things, <laughs> this is an example to keep in mind. And also when they say that Apple users spend more on in-app purchases, this is part of what they're counting. Uh, it was oh, well over two thousand dollars. Jesus, hello! <laughs> I bought a MacBook, a highly customized MacBook Pro. <laughs> oh, okay. From from inside the Apple app, configured it in the app on my iPad, even though it was the iPhone app, um, and seamless checkout because they used my iTunes account. <laughs> so, does Apple get thirty percent of that? Oh yeah, they get more than thirty percent of that. <laughs> no wow. one gets any 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 other bit of it, though. One more thing: after a hiatus that seems to have gone on forever, but secretly allowed everybody who cared to catch up, Breaking Bad returned for its fourth season and instantly cemented its place as one of the best dramas around, with a couple of episodes that dropped us back into the utterly fucked up headspace of Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. And hot damn, it was good to have it back. It just struck me that if, and this is a huge if. Breaking Bad only goes five seasons and goes where I think it's going, then 200 years from now, entertainment scholars will be debating whether or not Hamlet or Walter White was the greatest tragic hero ever. The former, of course, was a smart enough guy who thought too hard before acting, and the latter a super smart guy who never thinks too much before acting. There's a long ways to go, but I'm guessing that Breaking Bad will end up being the defining tragedy of our time. And that's it for Media Loper Bebop, episode 12. Out, damn Spotify. I'd like to thank Tim Gaskell. Thank you. And Kirk Biglione. What am I supposed to say in this part, Jim? Whatever you want. No, really, what do you expect? Um, I have no expectations. That this... Is there like an optimal thing that you'd like me to say? To say cheers. Um, you're welcome. My pleasure. Um, What's the worst I could possibly say? What you're doing right now. <laughs> For all their my, my pleasure. <laughs> for all their thoughts and insights, and I'd like to thank you, the listener, for listening to our little podcast. On behalf of Kirk and Tim, I'm Jim Connolly, and we'll catch you next week. Same Bebop time, same Bebop channel. Mm-hmm.